from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. If you miss anything from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Five stars only, positive vibes only. And check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Hit the likes and leave comments. I feel like the YouTube page has devolved into... The YouTube comment section has devolved into, but what about Matt Corral with the Carolina Panthers, which is hilarious yeah. when it's fairly obvious the Panthers have moved on from Matt Corral and they're going to draft somebody and they brought in Andy Dalton. So we're good now. But no, like there's like, I didn't realize there's like, I, that's what I look. You learn things, man. You got to learn every day. You got to learn every day. And getting on the internet and firing up YouTube teaches me. There's a hive for everybody. There is a group of people who love you out there, wherever you go. And I did not realize there is a there's like the the Matt Corral truthers exist for the Carolina Panthers. It ex- am I wrong, Dennis? No, you're 100 percent right. Any any quarterback discussion that we put on YouTube, there are invariably five people will be like, but we gave up on Matt Corral. We never gave him a chance. And I'm wondering if they're related to Matt Corral. They just a bunch of Ole Miss fans, or that too. It's entirely possible that's the case. Chronically well. online Ole Miss fans. I don't know. I don't know. Frank Reich had some availability today. The head coach of it's the Lane Kiffin of the and maybe that's what it is of the Carolina Panthers. And uh, yeah, like uh, the the takeaway the takeaway was this offseason shows we mean business out here like James Scott Farron telling the league they mean business. And I was going to come as a surprise to you, but David Tepper apparently was instrumental in moving up to the number one spot. From nine, I'm shocked by this. That's Mr. Tepper. No, 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 no. He's always going to be David Tepper. Thank you very much. We don't have to adhere to those football-y tropes of calling the owner Mr. Master. <laughs> we don't work for him, so we're good. Thank you very much. Regardless, I do like the moves the Panthers made. Yeah, to help this next quarterback. Yeah, and yeah, it's not Matt Corral. Just in case you're confused. No, and I don't know why you're confused dude it's just it's just funny to me it's just anytime like on a pretty much every morning i go to the youtube page just kind of see yeah what the stats are but i think make sure there's nothing crazy in the comment section and yeah invariably there's going to be some sort of matt corral take so the people who are like you know what uh dj moore you can replace the receiver now it still remains to be seen do you have a number one receiver but love the tight end pickup adam thielen that's a nice addition it is there's they went out and got guys who can make plays Mm mm-hmm that's all you can do. And now put the quarterback in the best position. I do think they have the right running backs. We'll see which ones they come back with. The offensive line showed progress by the end of last year. So that was, you know, last year wasn't a total and complete waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did do some good things down the stretch. The question is, how does a new group identify those things that worked well under a different coaching staff? Yes. Accentuate them and give this new quarterback the best chance to be successful? Because, you know, all rookie quarterbacks have struggles it's, just, it's a reality that's all that matters right now all the moves that we can like and people can get hyped up about and frank Reich can say you know we mean business cool I, I like the attitude i like the general attitude but it's all for not if you miss on the quarterback and everybody's trying to pick up on little hints here and there as to what he means oh well size isn't that big of an issue i mean hey i know he said this today just so you know i was high on russell wilson everybody was high on Russell Wilson after the fact. Like, 
I'm not I'm not doing this to kind of like dunk on Frank Reich. I'm simply saying anybody can say they were high on X quarterback after the fact. If everybody was high on Russell Wilson this the way they said they were high on Russell Wilson with not a third round pick. Why was he taken in the third round? Right. Right? With like it just And then every third round quarterback after that Matt Corral becomes well he's the next Russell Wilson. Uh, it ain't that simple. No. It ain't that simple. <laughs> well Jack Prescott no, no 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 it doesn't always work out that way. Regardless, um so far I've liked what the Panthers have done. But it's all And moot. they have a plan. Yeah. So, but it's all moot if they get the quarterback wrong. And yeah. I, I don't and that's not a hot take. That's just no. is what it is. But roll the dice, make the moves you're gonna make, have a plan, go for the plan. Mm-hmm. These are all good things. This, the, this is all progress for the Carolina Panthers. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. Again, you can check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan Raleigh on YouTube. Back to the NCAA tournament where, as far as the men's tournament and the triangle business of things, it's it's over. Uh, UNC women still at it. Duke women still at it. NC State uh, with no Diamond Johnson. They got knocked out uh, early in the uh, women's side of things. But on the men's side, no more NC State, no more Duke. Both teams go out uh, in completely different kinds of ways. I feel like well, let's start with the Wolfpack. I stated this on Friday when they uh, when they lost. I feel like NC State's season in a nutshell was fun as hell that eventually ran out of steam. And at some point where NC State really kind of made its hay in January and early February of having one key guy not on, but others would step up, it almost felt like down the stretch it was just one guy. It reverted back to one yeah. guy that really had to carry him. In the Duke loss at Cameron Indoor Stadium, where Duke had really started to turn the corner, it was Jarkel Joyner who was literally trying to keep him in that game with an otherworldly last five minutes of a ball game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And in this game against Creighton, with DJ Burns essentially neutralized Jarkel Joyner off, it was Terquavion Smith who had to do everything possible to keep NC State in this game. Here's Kevin Keats reflecting on the year that was in Raleigh. Uh, super proud of my team. I mean, this is um, when you look at where we were at last year to where we're at now and um, how hard our guys worked and, you know, what, what a season we had with 23 wins and uh, guys playing their butts off and guys like Jaquel Jordan and the other transfers and the guys like DeQuavion Smith who decided to come back uh, means a lot to us in our program. Uh, I thought those guys you know, completely fought the entire year. We did some really good stuff. Um, uh, we're going to walk out here with our head up, uh, continue to build, and keep you know, pushing this program in the right direction. So that's Kevin Keats, NC State's basketball coach, after they got beat by Creighton on Friday. You called this one, Joe. You didn't like the matchup against uh, Creighton, and it played out that way on Friday. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because Creighton didn't shoot the ball well from three. Mm-hmm. And then you saw what Creighton ended up doing to Baylor. That that's what Creighton really looks like. So they did have a chance to beat Creighton on Friday afternoon. I thought the altitude bothered them a little bit. You know, the early fouls to Quavion Smith. They were just they just seemed a little bit off. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then Jarkel not shooting well obviously hurt them. But I don't think people are giving the people who are upset, right? Six years, Kevin Keats, no NCAA yeah, no tournament NCAA wins. wins, right? They've been twice, you know. I think those people who are upset don't realize how hard this year was. Mm -hmm. Like, they were last place last year. Mm -hmm. They were bad. And there's a lot of pressure on a team in that spot. Even if the AD is sitting there telling you, even if the contract is sitting here telling you, 
oh, we're not going to fire him. We're not going to fire him. We're not going to fire him. There's pressure because you want to respond. And to not even get into that protocol really at any point this year, Mm -hmm. to to have the bounce back in the way they did, to go from 21 losses, which is a school record, to 23 wins, that was a big step. Now the question is, can you take another step? I do think a lot of the same players will be back. Obviously, they're going to have to replace Jarkel Joyner and Jacravian mm-hmm. Smith. Jacravian Smith's going to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. Jarkel Joyner is out of eligibility. So now you have to go into the portal and, again, apply what you learned from the previous year. Don't guess. Don't guess. Show these guards, who are now going to have Casey Morsell as, mm-hmm. a, as a support role, Jack Clark support role, DJ Burns likely will be back as their big man. So you're not going to have to, you don't have to do a whole lot of changing. You just have to hit it right in the portal again in the guards that you bring in. Yeah. And that's, we're we're making it sound like hitting in the portal is an easy thing to do. It's not. It's not. But this is something that you and I have talked about. I know I stressed this last year. I felt like Kevin Keats was a year late making staff changes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought just being, I felt like, we already kind of saw where things were headed, and you have to be two steps ahead, not just or one. Or at least one. <laughs> and or, or, well, one, given that the AD and the administration is going to give you an opportunity, I felt like you got to think two steps ahead to even get to that point. But Boo Corrigan and Kevin Keats, and Kevin Keats has been open about this. They had a conversation very similar to, to the one that Boo Corrigan had with Dave Dorn at NC yep. State, and you saw the staff changes there. So I felt like the staff changes were a year late, and to your point about going out and getting transfers, you got to hit on the transfers. Don't take a guess. Go get a guy who's been productive and then bring him into the fold and have that hopefully play out. So, and the reason why this is kind of the discussion we're having with NC State and Kevin Keats is it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. The administration's not moving on. Right. They're not moving on. There was some speculation that maybe Kevin Keats moves on. Georgetown kept coming up as this as a, as a program that he has an eye on or he made it known that he'd be interested in the Georgetown job. Well, that job's wrapped. It's been Ed Cooley's job to say no to, and he didn't say no. He said yes, and that's where the news comes out today. So that's why, like, uh, I think it was on Saturday morning I tweeted out, like, look, it's really on Keats to kind of keep this going and build at NC State given the chance that he had this past year. He did it. I think you can look at it as a reset. Now what do you do with that reset? If they don't make the NCAA tournament next year, if they fail to make the, the make the moves in the transfer portal, well, then maybe we have this ultimate conversation. But I think that this past year proved, okay, hit the reset. We were successful. Now it's a matter of building on that success. As you said, it was really, really hard to go from like dead last to what they did. Now that you did it, build on it, see where you go after that. The administration, I think, is going to give him that opportunity. It's whether or not Kevin Keats wants to stick around for that. I think that's been – you and I have been on the same page with that. That's ultimately his call, given how the coaching carousel plays out. And the reason why we're making jokes about it being casual hockey fan season is because on the men's side of the bracket, it's a wrap for the triangle teams. One ACC squad remaining in the Miami Hurricanes. They keep the streak going for ACC teams that have made the Sweet 16 That started in 1980. So shout out to the Hurricanes who are doing more for basketball in the ACC than they've ever done in football. Slow clap for the Canes, baby. Two years in a row. That's why they were brought to the conference. That's why John Swafford brought him here. He saw the long-term play here. It was, eh, football was whatever. Basketball. They're going to save basketball. Duke's out. We talked about State in the previous segment. If you missed any of that conversation, check it out on YouTube. But Duke's also out of the NCAA tournament after they got bullied by Tennessee. I 
having a couple days to kind of process what I watched on Saturday, Joe, where the volunteers, it was more than it was just physical, okay? The, the officiating allowed them to play. I'm okay with that. I've been screaming all year, let them play. Um, and that's what we've seen mostly in the NCAA tournament. They've let them play outside, as you pointed out, a few minutes in that NC State Creighton game. But for the most part, they were letting them play. And that gave in to what Rick Barnes has always done, going all the way back to his Clemson days, okay? They want to play physical, almost football-like basketball. Shout out to all the people making hockey jokes that the volunteers did a really good job on their forecheck uh, when it came to playing Duke on Saturday. But I don't think that it was Duke getting out-toughed. Because Duke, Duke's been in this position plenty in the ACC where they, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe they got a rep. Maybe they saw a couple games early on. They thought, hey, you know what? You can push this Duke team around. But this Duke team has responded to rock fights. Kyle Filipowski has been bloodied multiple times this season or elbows to the face, and he has responded. Ultimately, I think what caught up to Duke was attrition. In a physical game. Yeah, I mean, not having Mark Mitchell, their power forward, at the start of the game, is mm-hmm. that's important. And three-pointers. Tur- turnovers been a pro- have been a problem for Duke all season long. They've been able to overcome that. But they've never been a great three-point shooting team. They've gotten three production when needed, but it's never been one of their strong suits. And when Tennessee is not only bullying you, and you're dealing with attrition, Mark Mitchell, right out of the gate. We mentioned Kyle Filipowski, who had to miss significant minutes while they tended to his busted lower eye uh, and to stop the bleeding. And then you got Jeremy Roach, who, what, turns an ankle at one point in that game, and he's saddled with foul trouble. So that attrition got to him. And then when Tennessee's banging threes on you, and they haven't done that all year, they're like a 30% three-point shooting team, and they're, what, 9-14, of 14, I think, in this game? 9-21. of 21 Dude, you just tip your cap and say, look, man, it was Tennessee's day. They got you physically, and they were hitting threes. You couldn't match the three-point production, and that's why you got sent home. I think that pretty much nails what happened in that Tennessee game. Older team, too. Yes. Another one of those older teams who play ugly ball. Uh, that's that's the big takeaway I take from this weekend. I just I didn't think the pretty teams would last, and mm-hmm. Arizona didn't. Uh, Kansas this year is another one of those super athletic teams. TCU last night, another one of those teams I was impressed with in the Big 12. They can't get by Gonzaga. Indiana's kind of old school in terms of they got a post. They move it around. They get up and down the floor. Miami took care of them. I Mm -hmm. thought Miami was just the better, tougher team in that game. But look at Miami. They're one of the older teams in the ACC. They're one of the teams that went into the portal and got some of these fifth- and sixth-year players. NC State, Pitt. You know, those those three teams, their success was contingent upon older, stronger players. And that that's going to be the big challenge for John Shire. How do you adjust in the new world yeah. of college basketball where, you know, of the top 20 players in the country, maybe three or four of them go play G League or play overtime elite. Mm-hmm. They don't come and play college basketball. Then there are the international players who don't come and play. You know, th- this whole thing is evolving, and it just so happens to be evolving at a time where you're losing – your, your name brand coaches. You know, Jay Wright working these games for CBS. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be his time ruling college <laughs> basketball. But he had no interest in it. Yeah. You know, Mike Bray. Shout out to our guy Mike Bray today taking a job down in South Florida with our guy Mike Kelly. I mean, you talk about a combo. That's a Gilio special. We're going to have some U- USF merch up here and write quick 
Um, but you know, you see this turning over in the ACC in particular. Then I look at the, I look at, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I look at the SEC. You know who I love, and you know who I actually think. If you gave me, remember, I said let's let's have a vote. Let's have the 300 plus coaches vote who the best coach in college basketball is. Yeah, and I bet you a bunch of guys get a vote. 20 guys, 25 yeah, guys, yeah, right? Sure, sure. I honestly think I might vote for Eric Musselman. Oh, okay. Crazy X and O guy. And he's a little bit of a wackadoo. You saw him take his shirt off and run around. There's a little bit of that bright personality that, that kind of seeps out. You know, his dad was an NBA coach. Knows how to go into the portal and get guys. If you look at this mock draft, they got two freshmen who could, you know, turn around and be first-round picks in the NBA draft. They beat Kansas in a tough game. And they're in that tough West you know, Sweet 16 with UCLA and Gonzaga and UConn. I mean, that's good basketball that you're seeing. But that shows you, like, would you think someone, if we asked somebody in the triangle, hey, who's the best coach in college basketball, do you think anyone would think of Eric Musselman? No, they would not Probably think Probably not. No, they would not think Probably that. not, but that just shows you the kind of the variety that's out there right now. And you look at it and you go, well, who is? Who's who's supposed to be running this sport now? Now that Mike, Mike Krzyzewski... Roy Williams, Jay Wright, now that they're gone. It's funny. We, we talked about the whole Sweet 16 run for the ACC. Go look at the teams that were making the Sweet, Sweet 16. It's Dean Smith, Carolina teams, Roy Williams, Carolina teams, and Mike Krzyzewski, Duke teams, mm-hmm. filling up the majority of that Sweet 16 run. So a lot of the ACC's pride kind of comes from two teams in the grand scheme of things. Shout out to Maryland that was in there as well. The same, my man Gary Williams. Gary They're Williams called was, the Gary Williams know, death rules for a reason. Here's John Shire, Duke head coach, proud of his team's effort uh, this season in the NCAA tournament. For these guys, they've given us everything you could ask for. They've uh, fought through perseverance. They've fought through adversity. They've uh, stuck together when things weren't looking as good and came into this game one of the hottest teams in the country and we felt like we you know were supposed to win this game as did they and you know really felt like a you know sweet sweet 16 elite eight game you know type of game it was uh they're really good and credit them they you know shoot almost 50 from three and uh kamala has one of his you know best games maybe his best game ever and you got to tip your hat to him so that's John Shire, Duke head basketball coach, after they got knocked out by Tennessee. John Shire, and I think this was in an article in The Athletic, uh, I think Brendan Marks had uh, had done this conversation with, with Shire, or it was Daniel O'Neill, regardless, it was in The Athletic. And Shire hinted that he doesn't know how teams are going to be constructed at Duke going forward. We, we knew what the last act of Mike Krzyzewski was, right? 2009-2010, USA Basketball, you know, Roy Williams is supposedly going to run the table now. Uh, they win the championship in 09. They get Harrison Barnes. Mike Krzyzewski's with the USA Basketball. People are freaking out. There's the John Wall recruitment, which was more of a signaling to the college basketball world that they were in the one-and-done game. And that culminates in the 2015 National Championship. Mind you, there was one in 2010, but 2015 was part of that last act yeah. for Mike Krzyzewski. The last adjustment. Yes. So, Shire, if we follow what this whole transition of power, if you will, at Duke is about, it's about finding different ways to win at Duke, not just the one way to win at Duke. Uh, I think there is no one way to win at Duke. That was the entire point of Mike Krzyzewski 
in Durham, whereas at Carolina there are these preconceived notions as to what a Carolina basketball program is supposed to look like. That may hold you Carolina back. I was going to say, now you can't blame them. Of course not. It's been super for, successful for, for Dean them. Smith having the success that right. he did, and for Roy Williams hey. coming as close to being Dane, Dean Smith in, on the basketball court I, as you possibly can be. I'm not knocking You it. can't blame no. any no. Carolina followers or fans to say, this has been super successful. Why aren't we doing this anymore? But I think we understand why Roy Williams finally retired. Yeah, of course. Okay. And I think, Although you know Kalkbrenner would be like his favorite player I of know, all time. I know, I know, I know. So Shire alluded to that it might not be as many freshmen sure. going forward, that you're going to see more portal guys or older guys. Because if you wanted to do like the big flashing lights, big takeaway from first weekend of the NCAA tournament, I actually think it's a culmination of the last couple of years. I don't think it's just because of the COVID extra year throwing everything into flux. I think what the COVID extra year did is, like all things COVID-related, just kind of finally gave the, the the push necessary for the next iteration of things, including how we consume media, accelerating the death of certain platforms and other, and other things. And I think in college basketball, it has accelerated the idea that, hey, there are college basketball players that can stick around and make money and might not ever step foot in the NBA. Going forward, what would you rather have in college basketball now? You want you want a bunch of Drew Timmies? Is that what you want? Probably. What do you, what do you want? Honestly, I mean, what do you want going forward? Locally, you can look at it. Armando Baca and DJ Burns, right? Their yeah. skill set probably doesn't translate to the NBA. Mm-hmm. But what's wrong with the money that Armando Baycott made last year? What's, what's wrong with the money that DJ Burns is in line to make? Uh, I mentioned Kalkbrenner at Creighton. He can't play in the NBA. Mm-mm. But you know what? There's a spot for him in college basketball. It's almost like you're you want the good college basketball players now, mm-hmm. and that that sounds stupid. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it used to be you wanted the pros. Yes, you want. I want the NBA guys, but heck, they're not they're not going to the college. Heck, they're not even going to college. Tony Bennett won an M, won his title with NBA guys, right? Mm-hmm. I think this tournament used to be NBA guys win it. I think now you're going to look at it, and now and Brandon Miller could could can throw this all in a blender, right? For Alabama, who's the number one prospect in in college basketball right now, and, and maybe we turn around on on the day after the ch- Final Four and the championship, and there's Alabama on the top of the box, and we go, well, you got to have Brandon Miller, you got to have the mm-hmm. the number one NBA prospect. But I think once we get to the Final Four, I think you're going to look around and go, I think I just want guys who are older and want to be here and buy into what we're doing and have a hunger to perform in this tournament. I, I think that Joe is a, is the second biggest takeaway looking at an FDU, like they wanted to be there. They wanted to perform on this stage. And Jarkel Joyner, you know, even though he didn't play well for NC State, he wanted to be on this stage. Uh, Jeremy Roach at Duke, you know, gutting through that the ankle injury. He wanted to be on this stage. And, you know, I, I don't know if you could have said that four or five years ago. It was, you know, the, the Duke Zion show was, oh, my gosh, these guys are going to be so good in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, I can't wait till they get there. Well, What's wrong with college basketball? And I think you're seeing a whole new crop. Even the governor said this. Governor Roy Cooper, when we went to see him last week, he said, I think NIL, one of the positive changes you're going to see from NIL is players are going to stay mm-hmm. in college basketball that otherwise probably would have gone and tried to make more money even when they weren't going to play in the NBA. That's Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovitz. If you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast and check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So, yeah, on the men's side of things, it's a wrap for the Triangle Schools. Um, so, welcome, casual NHL fans. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to make the playoffs. The Carolina Hurricanes are a contender for the Stanley Cup. But things are a little bit different this year compared to the last couple of years. The Eastern Conference is loaded. That's why everybody was freaking out at the trade deadline. Big moves had been made weeks prior to that. The Carolina Hurricanes went for depth instead. And from that point on, they got another key injury in Andrei Svechnikov, who's done for the year thanks to an ACL. Adam Gold does the Canes Corner Podcast, brought to you by the Aluminum, Com- Aluminum Company in North Carolina. Here's two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. 13 seconds left. They score! Marty Natchez, the man of the moment again, ties it at four. Carolina with the comeback. Svechnikov, he's got a step, and he's got Natchez with him. Svechnikov, Natchez, he does it again! Seven seconds across the Gostas Bear. Sandstrom gets across, makes the save. Backhand chance, side of the net. Canes shoot, they score! They score! The Canes score! Did they beat the clock? Did they beat the clock? Side of the net, they're saying it's good. Carolina's saying it's good. Unbelievable. Marty Natchez thinks he's tied it. Yes, it's March and it's mad. And I have two minutes of hockey, even though the Hurricanes didn't play yesterday. I have two minutes because I'm still buzzing for what happened Saturday in Philadelphia. Martine madness. That's what we've got. Marty Natchez, for the fourth time this year, has forced an overtime with a late third period goal. The first one happened in October, interestingly enough, in Philadelphia. 2.05 left. He scores, forces OT. Brent Burns wins it. The next month, in Winnipeg, Hurricanes down 3-0 late in the third period. They score three times, including Natchez's goal that made it 3-3 with 39 seconds left. They lost in overtime, but that's a point you didn't deserve to get, and you got. And then he wins two games in overtime against the Dallas Stars, and then with 12 seconds left at home in a game they had no business winning, Natchez ties it up against San Jose with 12 seconds left and then wins it in overtime, and then yesterday. Point what? Point nothing on the clock they were terrible the last two periods awful no business getting two points and they get two because nature scored with point whatever on the clock aho undressed tony d'angelo again we remember what happened in the bubble right aho caps off the hat trick with the overtime goal carolina gets two points by the way at the same time new jersey was going from two nothing ahead to three two down they lose it four two in florida canes went from one point down to three points up in the division just with that thank you martin natchez you personally have earned carolina nine points this year i will try to come down by tomorrow when the hurricanes are in new york against the rangers i can't promise it though that's adam gold martin madness very clever adam very clever that's that's adam gold that's two minutes check out more in the uh, Canes Corner Podcast. And if you're a casual Canes fan, you're probably like, wait, Natchez, the guy that everyone was trying to run out of town at the end of last year because he was slumping and he yeah. didn't have a contract. Yeah, that guy. He's been awesome this year. <laughs> and without Svechnikov now with the knee injury, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're going to need Marty Natchez to be awesome in the playoffs.